Hi, everyone. My name is Shannon Calder, licensed therapist, and I'm joined by Dr. Kathy Barrett, forensic psychologist. We talk about all topics from a psychological perspective. Welcome to Terror Talk. Hi, everyone. Welcome to Terror Talk with Shannon and Kathy. Hello. Hello. Today on the show, we are going to specifically talk about the new true crime, relatively new, true crime documentary, uh, the Sons of Sam, A Descent into Darkness, which is about four hours of documentary 2021. It's on Netflix, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the reason why I thought this might be interesting to watch is because, well, we try to watch the new documentaries that are trying to say there's something new about very old cases, right? It's like why we joke about Ted Bundy is in every documentary or whatever, right. but we watch them anyway because it's like, well, let's talk about that. Right. Let's talk about if it was yes or no. So the Son of Sam case grew into a lifelong obsession for journalist Maury Terry, who became convinced that the murders were linked to a satanic cult. That's the basic premise. And it's got four episodes, so we're just going to go. Let's start by going through the episodes, I guess. We shall. Episode one, the little log line for that, is in August 1977, the arrest of David Berkowitz ended New York City's wave of terror, but journalist Maury Terry believed there was more to the story. That he did. So this first episode, to me, was basically like they're just trying to do a straight documentary about the Son of Sam murders. Mm-hmm. Right? Mm-hmm. Got anything else to say about that episode? Uh, no, it was, you know, just to kind of paint the time period, it was 1977 in New York City. Um, this was the first story that the they said the, I mean, it, it's going to build and we'll talk about it, but it was the first story that the press actually created the news, they said. Um, so the press really took hold of it and made it their own. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was at a time where women obviously we're still very much seen as vulnerable and victims. And so it, it really sent uh, women into a frenzy. Women were buying wigs, cutting their hair because he had a, he had a certain type. Mm-hmm. And so the focus was really on what can women do to remain safe and not be his next victim. Right. It, <laughs> I know we're not talking about the book we're reading right now, but it sort of reminded me a little bit of, of when they were, you know, (laughs) all the women were like, we don't want to be the next victim or whatever. And, um, Oh yeah. We're, we're reading a book called the lovely wife with our patrons, uh, from Patreon on on our discord channel. We have a book club on there and we're reading the lovely wife and it's about serial kill. And there's, there's a a part where the, the women do something very similar to avoid not being the next victim. And, Mm -hmm. and so anyway, that just kind of painting the, the time and the, where it was in New York city, you know, it's. And if you don't know any, you know, if this is the first documentary ever that, you know, you're new to true crime or something and you're just popping it on, they're giving you the context of it. Um, a couple of things I would mention, though, too, is that Paul Giamatti does the voiceover. The voice, yeah. um, it's sort of like Maury's voice, basically, in the whole thing. And also, Joan Jett does the, like the song for the show it's uh she does a version of season of the witch on there uh joan jett does so i i mean i immediately realized that was her yeah i i am i only know because i watch things with the um 
the subtitles on all the time. I, I loved that version. I know. And so what did I do? I immediately tried to find it on like Spotify or somewhere and I couldn't find it. Because every time it would start, usually I bypass the, yeah, I skip the course. intro, but I was like, I like this version. Yeah. And so the only reason why, like I said, the only reason why I knew is because I had the subtitles on and it said Joan Jett singing Season of the Witch. And I was like, wait, what? Yeah. I need that, but I can't find it yet. So maybe somebody out there will help me out with that and let me know where to find it. Um, right. So I wanted to mention those two things because uh, those were honestly, unfortunately, the, my two, I mean, it was a fine layout of the case and that's what you need and that's fine. Great. So, but like moving on, if you know the case, like right. you don't really... I, I really think in the context of this story, it was a lot, it was a lot of padding with that. Yeah. Um, and I think they could have probably skipped most of the first episode in my opinion, Yeah, but, but I know they like to lay the ground. Well, like I mean, I, I think I was saying to you before we started recording is this case is really the son of Sam in and of itself without all this extra is a really, I don't know, boring yeah. case to me because yep. one, and we'll talk about this in the second episode, he, he didn't really have a motive without this other story. What is his motive? Right. So it was boring. And then the movie that came out in the late nineties with John Leguizamo was flipping horrible. Yes. And it was really just about the detective and everyone's like, where's the horror? <laughs> and there's no David Berkowitz in the film at all. And people left going, I remember people walking out of the theater going, what is this? <laughs> so I've always associated it with like a really uh, like bad, <laughs> not very interesting case. It's like, okay, a guy goes up to a car and shoots random people moving on. Right. I mean, I think, I, I think that's one of the things that, that kind of happens is like people think it's interesting because like his dog told him to kill or whatever, but then later you find out all of that is Meshuggah. Exactly. So, like, but people get into it because of that. They think, Oh, he's mentally ill. And so we'll be very interested. And they just don't know anything about the case. Right. And then, and then if you follow the breadcrumbs, you realize quite quickly, it's really not all that right. great. Um, okay, so let me go. Where's my little thingamabob? Okay, so episode two is while Berkowitz continues to dominate the news cycle, Maury, this investigative journalism journalist, sorry, pursues his theory about John Carr and uncovers a disturbing link to the occult activity. I know that you kind of broke them down episode by episode and I did not. So I didn't know if you wanted to start talking. Yeah. About so the second two. episode is called catch. Um, and this is where they start to look at what is the profile of David Berkowitz? Who are we actually dealing with? Are we dealing with someone who's insane, psychotic, antisocial? Um, I thought that it was interesting. That's why I think without this other context and this out, this other conspiracy, he's really, it's really hard to, figure out what would drive him to do this without an outside, without him being affiliated with, with another group of people or other people, because, you know, obviously we're dealing with someone who has an identity disorder of some kind. He couldn't find his birth mother. He was adopted. He didn't know who he was. We've, we've seen this with Ted Bundy, right? Like yes. that instability. So he, um, he had an inconsistent identity. He was not fond of women. Most serial killers who are male are not fond of women. Um, one of the reasons they do what they do. So, but what was interesting was a lot of serial killers will have some sort of ritual around 
their victim, whether it's uh, sexual sadism or keeping body parts or something that is like a trophy or a prize for his profile. The fact that all he did was go up to a car, shoot them and walk away. It's like it, it, it's like a gun for hire. Mm-hmm. What would be unless there's other stuff going on? I don't know how someone like a serial killer who is already if we're going to label him as psychopathic, how are we then? These are people who need a lot of stimulation because they don't feel shit. So just shooting somebody and walking away, I can't imagine that's going to give them a lot of fulfillment. So this is where they now start to talk about um, stumbling upon this satanic cult called the children, um, as well as they start to bring in John Carr, who is the son of, He's the real son of Sam, right, John? Um, The NYPD is getting involved, but they're also trying to close this case. And here is now where Maury, what's his last name? Terry, Maury Terry, the journalist comes in and goes, "Uh -uh. uh-uh, I'm finding stuff here. And this man has not worked alone. And I'm going to start linking these pieces for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah, son of Sam, meaning they start to talk about Sam Carr, who's his dad, John Carr, et cetera. I, I thought it was interesting, too. Like, I do remember this, that, you know, they, of course, how they used to do decades ago, they don't do this as much anymore because of our the climate in our culture around serial killers. But they did all the TV, you know, Channel 9 TV interviews around uh, Berkowitz and the quotes were, you know, a quiet guy, a little strange. And then when they did the same TV interviews with John Carr, it was like, quiet, strange, had no friends. Yeah. <laughs> uh, which I just was like, that is so of the time. Yeah. That, that, that every TV, local TV journalist worth their salt had to get those quotes right. about the serial killers. Right. Or about any murderers they had to find the neighbors that were like he was a nice guy he yeah. had cats or whatever whatever who yeah. cares uh too funny so all right so episode three in our little breakdown here is new leads send maury down a twisted path investigating a web of cults now as a satanic panic grips the nation and he publishes his book Yes. So, and the book is called the ultimate evil. Um, Mm -hmm. and now we have, uh, now he starts to pull in links to Scientology's interest in the occult. So Scientology's building at this time. And then you have this other church that they fall upon called the process church of the final judgment. So they start to find literature that sort of, it's almost like a, um, Oh, what do you call it when you send somebody on a vision quest like, no. uh, or, or a scavenger hunt or oh, something oh, where oh, it's oh. like one piece leads to the net. No, that's yeah. not a scavenger hunt. Anyway, it's, yeah. it's like there's a clue and then you go to another clue and right. then you do another clue. Gotcha. And all this time now we have David Berkowitz is in prison. They go to this library, they go to this church and they open up this book and in this book, there is a woman by the name of Arliss Perry. Her name is in this book that's affiliated with this church. Okay. And so I think Mary, Ma- Maury uh, Terry at the time says, who the hell is Arliss Perry? So they end up going to the church and they find her body 
mutilated, raped, all of this stuff. Like somebody had taken like a church pew and basically sodomized or whatever. So they're linking all of these things. And I can't remember how they, they connect that eventually with David Berkowitz, but this is, this now sends him into this rabbit hole. So, but every time he thought he found something, the group, the process church, who he believed was facilitating all this, ends up being one step ahead of him because he keeps hitting these dead ends, which now really starts to navigate and facilitate his obsession because it's like, it's like Wiley e. Coyote and, and the Roadrunner. It's like every time he thinks he's got him. You know, it's like he, it's damn it. I was that close, you know, kind of thing. And so he becomes more and more obsessed and he's now starting to lose credibility as a journalist because people are like, dude, you are out of your, like it's son of Sam is David Berkowitz. We close the case, get on with it. Well, and I think one of the things that I saw in this and the reason why it seemed like a whole lot of happy horse shit to me was that there was, I started writing them down, cults, Satan, Scientology, Brought in Manson into the story. Yeah, they brought Manson. Cocaine billionaires, uh, witches, Dungeons and Dragons, heavy metal, Christians. Like they, they're just like throwing. Yeah, it was like really. I got a little fatigued by episode three. No, it really, it it was. (laughs) It was like the Antichrist. Yeah, the Easter Bunny, Satan. Yeah, (laughs) Santa Claus. It was like no Manson. It was Manson. Yeah, that (laughs) was was, like. I can't. I can't. And then they, they brought in like the Tate LaBianca. It was like, okay, Manson's <laughs> on the whole other side of the country. Not that that can't be connected, but plus by that point in the documentary, Berkowitz was the source. Was Maury's source? Right. Like, like his whole his whole theories were coming from his discussions with Berkowitz. And right. I'm like, hello. <laughs> yeah. He, he's a known liar. Yeah. He is a known fabricator. Well, and then you see, I think it's episode four that they interview him. Okay, so let's go to episode four because I can't take it. Yeah. Unless you had something else. No, no, no. Episode four is now where you see he he looks like a little Sunday school Bible boy. Yeah. So the the little log line is, in 1993, Maury interviews the elusive Berkowitz, who substantiates his theories about the cult, but his obsession with the case begins to take a toll. But here's the thing. That's my point. Berkowitz is his source. Right. I'm I, for all of it. I'm sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Go ahead with what you were. Saying. Oh, no, I was just going to say then, then they, you know, they have the, the obligatory interview with, uh, David Berkowitz. Yes. And he just fantastic. He just tanks the whole thing. He tanks it and he just really puts on this false persona that he's, come to Jesus and just was had a bad childhood and well yeah he does the victim thing that mm-hmm. that, that that narcissists and and others do is Pull, he pulled he, him into the darkness yeah he yeah. he said he just like uh the um Dahmer interviews is yeah. what it reminded me of where Dahmer goes into his whole victimology right like this I'm a victim of xyz Manson did it they all Bundy do it. it they all do it in the media that I'm a victim and please you know you need to understand and that that is where a lot of times Sometimes we as therapists or psychologists get like a lot of shit. It's like, oh, you're trying to empathize with blah, blah, blah. Now, you and I take a slightly different tact with that. Mm-hmm. And we aren't empathizing. We're just explaining. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, but I also can say here's we can also talk about their childhood. And here's where it got developed into mm-hmm. a more rigid and uh, violent situation. But 
we see the victim like we right. see the tactic we're not idiots right like i mean right. most people can go like oh he's playing the victim card but one of the things i thought like i was thinking so why did he clam up in that moment right and one of the things that dawned on me and it's just a theory on my part and there's a hundred reasons why he probably clammed up because what happened is he gets on television in these interviews and then it's just like he kind of tanks Maury basically. He mm-hmm. kind of doesn't say what he said to Maury off the air and mm-hmm. all that. And so one of the things I was thinking is that at the very beginning of the what of the footage that they showed at the very beginning they show um Berkowitz saying like hey you know I know you're doing like a four part series on this or whatever you know don't you think that's like a little much and they're gonna get sick of me man and da, 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 da. and he's like no no it'd be interesting whatever so then they start do the interviews and I thought that was an interesting clip to include because my thought was is that Berkowitz had a shame spiral like most narcissists will in middle age mm-hmm. And realized that he might not be received well and that it would be boring. Right. And that he wouldn't be interesting. And so I think he, I feel like he had a shame spiral and he didn't want to, and then he didn't go forward with it. So that's just one theory for me, like with the pathology or with the psychology is that if, if someone like that doesn't believe that the public is going to think they're fantastic or buy their story or find them empathetic, then they're not, they're going to clam up. Right. They're going to tank it. And that's what he did. So I don't know. That was just the thought I had. Yeah, no, it makes sense. Makes sense. I mean, but yeah, so, I mean, Maury Terry essentially goes off, loses his mind. I mean, he becomes like dark, deeper and deeper into this. That's why the last episode's actually called the rabbit hole. And they go on to describe him as, you know, just really starts to psychologically decompensate. He becomes so overly consumed. And uh, one of the guys was saying that even on his deathbed, he was telling him to go look at something. He's like, dude, you're like two hours away of leaving this earth. And this is how you're going out. You're still talking about this. And I think at that point, it's like he so badly had to believe that everything that he put into this was real. He had to believe it at that point because he's dying. And if that's what he would have spent all of his time doing and it wasn't real, that would have just annihilated him. Yeah, I think at one point when, um, so I think what happens in the journey of watching these four episodes is basically what happens to him because right around episode three, like I was saying, I was like, this is such a load of horse manure. Like, Mm -hmm. what are we doing? You're watching a true crime documentary to find out something new, right? But, but this was really, so don't go into it with that. <laughs> it's my advice. If you want to watch it, go into it with knowing that you're seeing it through Maury's perspective of this story he thought he wanted to tell and that he thought might have had some validity. And his source is Berkowitz, so take that into consideration. I mean, there was other so-called facts and all of that happening and maybe there's some of it that you thought was pretty credible i I don't know but i i just in episode three i just started to lose my mind i don't think it was credible i can see how people could have gotten looped into at the beginning yeah as it starts to get more and that's kind of the journey you go on with him right and then by episode four what we're talking about now is that you 
you just start to feel sad for him. It's pathetic. It's super pathetic. And um, like I said, we did, well, I've, I mentioned in previous episodes, I think, or maybe I just mentioned it on our Patreon, but that like, we, I watched this in the Discord with our patrons and um, we just binged it because like, I had to watch it anyway. So I just binged it on the first night and, and had whoever wanted to join me could. And that was kind of the general consensus. Like, what the f and da, 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 da. and then oh my god it's they're throwing everything at the wall and then by the fourth episode it was just like ugh. when i think he so just sad i think he he was a guy that didn't have a lot of clout and he thought that this was going to be the story that was just going to really you know well I know. yeah i wrote down like i wrote down that maury got really caught up in ambition ego and pride yeah and so for sure you just sort of see that by mm-hmm. the time episode four comes and um it's uh pretty demoralizing. I mean, one of the other things I wanted to bring up um, before we wrap up, if the, unless there's anything else you want to talk about, um, is that we really exalt obsession. We exalt we exalted in our cops, in detectives, in investigative journalists, um, in TV shows. You know, we're always rooting and looking at the character that's obsessed and won't stop until they find the answer. You know, these like really unhealthy, dark kind of cop characters that can't let it go until they find the bad guy. You know, the, the Jodie Foster in the silence of the lambs or the, the, you know, whatever she's more balanced than most, but like, it's that character. We just love to follow that because I think real life doesn't allow us to, to follow that kind of obsession. Right. Um, and it provides too many protective factors for us to go down that hole usually mm-hmm. because other people will go like, dude, right. Stop it. Right. But we really exalt them in our, in our culture because the books and media and television shows around, um, you know, an obsession with finding the truth and this kind of thing mm-hmm. or finding the bad guy are, you know, we, we applaud them. Yeah. We're like, you go. I wouldn't do it, but you go. You find that bad guy, yeah. and you ruin your life right? to do it like as a fall-on-your-sword kind of moment. right? And I felt like this was really one of those situations where Maury was that character and in his own life, and it, and it ruined him. Yep. But also, I, I also want to just bring in the cultural piece that our culture pushes people to do that. Yes. And that he was responding to that as well. He was getting so. a lot of ego stroking yep. from the people in his community to in, continue to engage in that behavior. I mean, you saw they, they interviewed all his friends and coworkers and all of that. And they were like, yeah, you know, mm-hmm. they were all on board and they were kind of feeding into it and asking him questions. And some of them were believing it and going mm-hmm. down that rabbit hole with them. And, you know, there were court cases where they were petitioning for information. I mean, you know, like he really went into it. He did. Um, for me, it was like, ultimately I wouldn't say, Hey, go out and watch this documentary personally because for me it was just like a really infuriating journey into maury's obsession i get that that's for me yeah you you say you're no i mean i i i i think it's one people could miss yeah okay yeah but a little bit more better than i think (laughs) maybe i I mean it, it gives a whole it's interesting um but yeah i mean i didn't hate it okay uh but yes, I think it's it's much more about Maury. Yeah, just go into it knowing yeah. that the logline is correct. It's really about Maury's obsession that you're not 
like the first couple of episodes are going to try to tell you it's a little bit of a troll. They're going to try to tell you that you're getting new information about the Son of Sam case. And some of the media has done that, too, Mm -hmm. because they know that's what true crime people are wanting is Mm -hmm. like, you know, let's sit down and find out the new glove they found in the compartment or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's it's not that it's actually uh, much more sad than that and what's happening. Um, Right. I think that's all we've got to say. Oh, you know what? The other thing I wanted to just say in closing is they brought German shepherds into it. I didn't appreciate oh, that. Oh, God, the dog killings. I, I didn't appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, that, too much talking about dogs being mutilated and tortured and ripped up. I, yeah, uh, so I trigger warning for that. I did want to make sure. They don't show that. anything. No. I mean, they show some some carcasses, but it, it's, it's awful. Yeah, like I could have done without yeah, it. Yeah, same. Even though it is reality and okay. I just could have done without the dog carcasses, personally. And then there, it was like German shepherds. I know. And they were vilified during that time period. They were like the pit bulls of the 70s. Yeah, I remember. And that's my favorite breed. They were through the 80s, too. They were violent dogs. Well, and and because they were cop dogs, it was like, you know, they're trained to... To kill. To kill and to attack and all of that. And it's like, no. I love pit bulls and I love German shepherds and... It's all about the owner. Okay, that's our public service message on that. But just so you know, that's that is that documentary. So, um, the Son of Sam: uh, Descent into Darkness on Netflix, uh, currently streaming right now. So, thanks so much for listening. This has been an episode of Terror Talk. My name is Shannon, and I'm Kathy. Sleep safe, everyone. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Terror Talk. Please check out our Patreon page, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. We'd love to engage with you as part of our community. Please take a moment to leave us a comment on any of our social media. Thank you so much for listening. And once again, sleep safe.